So where do the New York Giants go from here following their debacle against the Dallas Cowboys? Former NFL scout David Turner and I discuss what can be fixed and what the Giants just might have to live with. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Lachlan Giants podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL for a first deposit up to $100. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan podcast family your team every day. My name's Patricia Traina, P-Train, and we are here free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So shout out to all my first timers, uh, my everydayers, my subtexters, and everybody in between. And, uh, you know, yesterday I, w- I was asked on Twitter, and I forgot to, to do this, um, I was asked to give a shout out to uh, one of my Twitter followers who was depressed by yesterday's podcast. Uh, uh, Giants game. So let me just do that right now. This is Twitter follower Badger Tiki Cut Glow Cut Glow Cut Neil, I think is what he's called. Uh, so shout out to you, my friend. Hang in there. Things have got to get better, I would think. And we're going to talk about the Giants debacle with former NFL scout David Turner, who's going to uh, tell us what can be fixed, what can't be fixed what the Giants are just going to have to live with. And and first off, David, welcome to the program. As always, we're coming a little, you know, a day late, but night games, you know, you know how I feel about night games. Especially home night games. I got you. Yeah. I'm, I'm breathing in fumes right now, but you know what? We're here. We're going to probably get riled up as we talk about last Sunday night's debacle. Um, So let's, let's start this off, David. Um, Biggest problem for the New York Giants against the Dallas Cowboys is if I did, didn't know the answer. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think you know exactly where I'm going with this. It's going to be the offensive line. It's going to be the headache in which they didn't address in the offseason. It's the one that, you know, even on waiver day when people were picking up tackles left and right and offensive linemen were, uh, you know, being traded for conditional seventh round picks, the Giants did nothing. And it was something we talked about in the preseason, how, you know, the offensive line needed to be addressed. We try to be positive about the interior offensive line. But what really got exposed, obviously, is the edge rushers and the edge uh, blockers. Both tackles, uh, you know, especially Evan Neal, just got absolutely run by last night. It was awful to watch him even try an attempt to block, you know, Micah Parsons and what the Dallas Cowboys have. So what bothered me the most was the play calling, though. You know, at the end of the day, when you got a rainy game, when you have a slippery surface, when you're struggling uh, to protect your quarterback, 
not keeping six in, not even checking in an extra offensive lineman to run the ball. I mean, we saw Bill Belichick last season, I think, threw like three passes and ran the ball the rest of the time in a sloppy, messy game up in New England. But he did it with six offensive linemen for 89% of the plays. And you guess what? He, his ego didn't be, wasn't in the way of winning that game. And as much as we give uh, you know him problems for a lot of what Bill does, he still didn't have an ego in that game. He said, "We need six offensive linemen. We need to run the ball, you know, like forty-five times." And we did, and he did, and he won the game last night. To start the game, we we had some movement up front. We were able to run the ball a little bit to start, and then boom, we shut it down. We started throwing the ball in a very wet, sloppy, you know, messy game, windy game. And you know what? That was more ego of we're going to run our offense. We need to get some reps in here. And, and again, get your reps in preseason. You only had your starting offense do like nine snaps in preseason. They look fantastic. And then you pulled them, and that's all they got together. You have all these new pieces. You have all these new um, you know, parts of the car, and you didn't run it at all during preseason. One, one, one preseason game, one, you know, drive is not enough we said it with joe judge and we got to say it again here the coaching has to be better you got to get these guys ready for week one you cannot drop winnable games in the nfl and this game was winnable although the play calling to me kafka it's on you brother it really is because you didn't run the football down their throats you got three viable backs you have six offensive linemen Go run the ball down their throats. Dave, I want to ask you specifically about Evan Neal. Now, I started looking at the film today. I saw a guy who at times struggled with his pad level. His feet looked heavy at times. At times he looked like he was bending at the waist. I mean, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln, right? Um, What do you see when you look at Evan Neal? And do you think? You know, is it, is it too soon to panic with him, or do you think he's just got guard written all over him? I wouldn't say it's too late to panic on Evan Neal, but again, you got to help a young man out that's struggling. That's something that, like, I don't get with offensive coordinators. I struggled with it my whole career. Um, when different offensive coordinators I worked with just didn't give help to struggling players, I'm like, why? Why not help a young man who's struggling – you know, with an extra chip block, an extra offensive lineman, an extra tight end, just stay in with six and and help them out, do some slide protection and what have you. I mean, they were looping in different stuff even that a, a six offensive lineman on the edge wouldn't have mattered because the inside guy was turning his shoulders and giving a crease. You know, that only is fixed with some slide protection and let your guards and centers come down hard on the guy inside and then the guy who's looping can't get around because they're already engaged. You know, they, they were just straight straight up base blocking almost with five, and I and we called it 50 protection, right? And I don't get that at all. I really don't understand when they struggled so much, and that ground looked slick on both sides of the ball. Neither offense looked stellar running or anything when it came to cutting and breaks and this and that. So, again, for me – when you see the sloppy conditions, that's football. Let's go. Line it up. Get everybody, you know, 
in the trenches, just geared up to to have a slobber knocker and let's get get, get after it. But last night, Kafka started throwing the ball around. And again, you're not going to win that way in a sloppy game. It's just not going to happen. When football is won in the trenches, and last night we could have won in the trenches because Dallas's defensive line is not the heaviest defensive line. It's not the stoutest defensive line. Their linebackers don't like when you're running at them. So if you would have just buckled in and said, hey, listen, I know we want to throw it tonight, but we're throwing we're throwing the ball 10 times and we're going to run 300. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. Right. Now the Giants ran the ball 28 times. They also att- they attempted 30 passes. Um, did you see a lot of room for the Giants when they ran the ball? I mean, it, some of the run blocking I thought was a little bit inconsistent. Did you see something maybe different where maybe they could have exploited the run defense? I know that was a weakness coming in. That was one of the keys that I identified in my preview. But what did you see from the Cowboys run defense that makes you think that they could have maybe had a little bit more success doing that if they had run more than 28 times? I literally thought they could have run the ball 40 to 45 times last Last night and really wait on them and pound because 13 of them they're counting as runs, but they're Daniel Jones running around for his life. So, you know, I can't really say those were runs or scrambles, but um, for me, I think if you lined up and you had a fullback in the backfield, even Bellinger using him as a back, you know, in the backfield and a six offensive lineman and really got tough through the first, second quarter. In the third quarter, you could have put uh, Brita in and all of a sudden, bam, here comes some speed. Here comes some toss plays. Those guys are tired. You've leaned on them for two quarters. You really got them starting to like gas, put their hands on their hips. Now let's give them some speed. Now let's, let's make them make a cut, make them make an adjustment, break down in space when they're cold they're wet now they've they're tired like let's get some mentality of this team some physicality into this offense and really weigh people down wear them down that helps your offensive lineman that helps your running back that helps your play action with your quarterback that helps your tight ends open up because now they're just slipping one block and hitting a seam i mean everything can come off of that play action if a run game is established early and often and you really start weight leaning and weighing on these uh defensive linemen that aren't the biggest in the league like we weren't going up against a bunch of monsters here we were going up against a pass rush defense now how do you beat a pass rush defense everybody knows you run at them and you run at them, and you stay disciplined in your run, and you know that that's going to wear them down. Maybe not the first half, maybe not the second quarter, right? Not the third quarter, but you're going to get some home run hits in that late third, fourth quarter because they're tired. They've already rotated everybody through. It was a wet game. They can't cut down and break in space. So for me, what I saw was a, a, a game plan that they came in. They wanted to show off Waller. They wanted to show off uh, their speed with Hyatt and uh, Kim, and um, Paris Campbell. You know, they wanted to get the ball to Barkley in space because they worked with them so much in the past game is all I kept hearing from the commentators. It's like, no, this was a slobber knocker that, turned, that they turned into an absolute mess because now we have turnovers and everything else. Yeah, but David, let me let me ask you this. Is is it possible that Kafka maybe didn't run the ball as much because right out of the shoot, they the Cowboys blocked the field goal and returned it for, for a touchdown. Um, they got 
another score, if I'm not mistaken. The Cowboys, I'm looking at the ball position and drive chart. The Cowboys jumped up. Um, let's see. They got a field goal, a field goal, and a touchdown. I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, well, that's from their offense. They got a field goal, field goal, touchdown. But the turnovers that's their did offense, leave right. the, yeah. And they had the, the, the turnovers. special teams. Yeah, the, the special teams in defense got turnovers that scored, right? So, so wouldn't that, you know, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but the fact that they were down early so quickly, is that maybe why they went away from any plans to potentially win the ball? They felt that, okay, we've got to hurry up and, and catch up here and throw the ball a little bit more. You got to be poised in those situations. You got to be. You got to be confident in your guys. You got to show your guys that hey, we our game plan. We're going to out physical these people, these this other team, and we are going to go after them in the trenches. Because even in the NFL, if you're down, I think they, at the end of the first quarter they were down what sixteen or something. It's like you still have three quarters of football to to master and get that back. Your defense wasn't playing terrible. Okay, they weren't playing terrible. So give them long fields to go, play the ball position game, give your offense, you know, again, weigh on them, play for that second half comeback. Because you're not going to make a first half comeback. You're not going to tie that score up. You know, you're not going to go to halftime 14 16 at, with the way the conditions were and the way your offensive line were blocking. Like, you have to help these young men out up front. When you recognize that they're swinging gates and they have nothing but an empty sieve, you know, with holes going through it, I mean, it was Swiss cheese last night. You can't keep asking them to do what they don't do well against a team that does well pass rushing. Okay. Like, that's when you got to say, you know what? We're slowing this game down. We're going to win it in the last possession of the fourth quarter, running the football. Defense, we're going to keep you off the field because we're going to run at these guys. We're going to get our five yards at a, you know, five yards at a time. We're going to turn over the, the, the downs each and every series. We're going to march down the field. We're going to invoke our will on this defense right now. Like that's a mindset. That's an attitude. Okay. David, I want to continue asking you. I have another question about the offensive line, but I got to take a quick commercial break. Giant fans, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to Locked on Giants. You got Patricia Chena, P-Train with David Turner, who joins me every week, and we break down the Giants, and we're breaking down a major breakdown. David, I want to stay on the offensive line for a moment here. You mentioned the guy inside. The the Cowboys D-line did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did. You mentioned the guy inside when we were talking about Evan Neal, and that, of course, would be Mark Lewinsky. And I want to just ask you, you know, I didn't think Lewinsky had that great of a game either. How much do you think that's affecting Neil or is it Neil affecting Lewinsky or how does that dynamic 
look to be working to you besides the fact that it's really not working so far, but we're, in other words, like who's maybe having more of a, uh, of a uh, influence on how that right side of the line is functioning. Well, okay. So for me, it, it, there was disconnect in understanding pass off and who was getting who in a lot of the twists. There was confusion. The center wasn't even helping them out that way because they, what Dallas was doing was overloading the left side like they were going to come left and then all of a sudden bring extra or bring a twist on the right side. So this way they could create one-on-one blocking, which is the two out there, okay, with, you know, having uh, two-on-two basically. So one, the one guard and the tackle and one outside guy and, the, and our offensive tackle. So – what they were trying to do is create a situation where you had two on two out there, which was technically basically two one on ones, right? And now, when you do that, it's to the defensive advantage often because those guys know what they're about to do in the pass rush. It's just like the opposite. Like a receiver always has the advantage because he knows where he's going, and the DB has to guess, right? Well, on offensive line play, I don't know where the D line's going, so I got to react, and my guy next to me has to bond next to me. That's why playing and reps in preseason would help that communication. But because we kept trying to figure out who was going to be our guards and we kept making a rotation there, they didn't get a solid connection and understanding. I think there's going to be some great learning tape here on, hey, these guys did this, they overloaded left. So basically they flashed left, came back right with a game, and then it was a straight rush from the left side, which was fine because they were like, hey, it's going to be hard to get around, you know, Thomas anyway, so why even try? We're just going to mess with the other side, and it was. It was an open swinging gate on the right side. So, you know, for me, I just think that it was a lot of miscommunication, not good fits in, in the pass-offs when they were twisting, and that created a lot of open gaps. The center needs to go their way, and if the center's not going to wind up going their way to the right often, they need to put a tight end or six offensive alignment in there because a the back's not going to do it. You know, when you got them, a Michael Parsons rushing, a back's not going to help. You need a bigger body to put on a Michael Parsons, on an Armstrong. You know, you got to you got to put more muscle over there to really work with those guys. A back's not going to help. So again, that's why I keep preaching that six offensive lineman. I keep preaching putting tight ends over there, um, sliding, doing a seventy protection or something where you're going to slide their way, you know, because it's gonna it's gonna help them out and put big bodies on big bodies. Um, without doing it that way, you really expose Daniel Jones, who you just paid a ton of money to, to more abuse. And again, it's 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 just I I don't understand why there's such a pushback on putting six in on protection. Like you do not need five out in the route or four out in the route all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, speaking of which, and again, I, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here with the offensive line, but it was the biggest, one of the biggest problems of this game. So let me ask you this now. Andrew Thomas is dealing with a hamstring. As we record this, we don't know the severity of it or if it's going to cost him any game time. Hopefully not, although I think it's going to maybe limit him in practice. It wouldn't be surprised if, I, if he's limited. Your uh, your your boy, uh, Matt Parrott, suffered an arm injury. I think it was an arm injury. I think it was an elbow. Yeah, they had a yeah, he was for the donut. <laughs> be nice, David. Um, I Josh didn't guess. 
Trust me, okay. if it was my show, be nice. there would be some curses Josh- going on. Joshua Azudu had to go out and play left tackle after, you know, Parrot got injured. Um, Evan Neal, of course, you know, unfortunately was struggling. The Giants' depth at offensive tackle, which you and I talked about after the final roster or the initial roster was set, is coming back to bite them. So that being said, you just don't find quality tackles out on the street, nor do they grow on trees. Is it time to panic? Or, you know, do they just, if you're Kafka, do you just say, you know what, I don't want to put six in there, but I might have to, or I might have to change the blocking scheme up. I mean, what, what did they do if, God forbid, Andrew Thomas can't play and Parrott is sidelined for, you know, as well with, with whatever, you know, the arm injury that he has. I mean, they've got Marcus McCathan who, you know, lost his rookie season to, anyway, I look at it. I mean, I think they're screwed regardless. I mean, or, or are they? Oh, absolutely. They're hitting the panic button right now. They are absolutely hitting the panic button right now because they got to come out to Arizona next week, my backyard. I'll be at the game, by the way. I'll be there. My Giants blue, you know, getting abused. But I watched the Arizona game against, you know, the Washington team this this last game, this last weekend, they don't have a bad defense. Their defense came to play. They play hard. They're you know they have a tough up front batch of guys that they you know no name guys that no one really is giving any credit to. And they're gonna come. They're gonna bring the blitzes. They're they're coming from all over the place. You know, and if they see a weakness like that, there it's gonna be a problem. We talked about it in preseason. I I preached hard. I pushed as hard as I could on your show for them to go shop the waving wire, go get somebody else, make a trade, do something, get some more talent, get rid of Parrot because he's just a walking marshmallow. And you know, he I'm serious. He was like reaching for a donut or something, and pulled a trap, and so now he can't play. Um, it's just ridiculous. So you know, for me. It, it, they didn't address that enough in the draft, in free agency. They didn't even at the at the ninth hour. They didn't say, "Hey, you know what? We're screwed. We need to make a trade. We're going to give up a pick or two to get offensive linemen in here because we need to make sure our you know franchise quarterback is protected. Our franchise tag running back has a hole. Like you got all this money tied up in this backfield now." You, you know, and, and you and you went and got a tight end. Well, great, you got a tight end, but he can't throw the ball to him when he's on his back. Um, you know, you have to address this offensive line. They they took way too long to do it. And and like you said, you can go shop on a on a practice squad right now, but guess what? Getting on a plane and flying to Arizona ain't gonna help a hamstring. That's a long plane ride, that's five hours. And you're gonna get on a plane and fly five hours with a and then that hamstring is gonna tighten up. I mean, and it's it's hot down here still. It's still 90, 100 degrees today was 110. So, you know, it's it's not a cool way. You're going to get dehydrated, in, even though it's indoors and they got the fans going, the heat gets to you out here. And if you got a hamstring issue, it's not the place to come play. It really isn't. So, you know, for me – and like you said, Parrot, I don't think he's a brace-it-up kind of guy. I think there's le- there's there's more chance that Thomas plays than Parrot right now just because Thomas is tougher than Parrot. Let's just be call, let's call it what it is. So for me, if they don't elevate somebody from the practice squad on Friday 
and they just go with what we got, we're in a lot of trouble. And again, the trouble comes in, especially if they will not adjust that protection by putting six offensive linemen in the game. Yeah. All right, David, coming up, I want to talk a little bit about the defense, because you know, specifically the rookies and how they did. And we got to talk about special teams because, damn it, they did it again. So we're going to take our final break, folks. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry. And best of all, you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app, known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and wide selection of player and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts, like Taco Tuesday. With each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% off to provide even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL, And that promo code is NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with David Turner. And David, I want to talk about special teams first because every week it seems that something goes astray on special teams. Now, look, I get it. The players play, the coaches coach. At what point do we say to ourselves, look, this isn't just all on the players. Something's ruined that's a little bigger here. And, you know, keep in mind, I like T-Mac. I respect him. He's been a good special teams coach for a number of years, but just it just seems like every week something gets go just goes amok. And at what point do you say, all right, uh, we might want to consider, you know, going in a different direction? Uh, I think you know my answer to this because even last year I was on the fire T-Mac train. Uh, so if you go back and listen to any of the podcasts last year, you'll hear me very upset about the coaching and them not holding the lanes and the discipline in the lanes and different things. And now we're talking about another special teams debacle with a simple block. Like you never block outside on that. Like the, the direct line to, to the block is through those tackle guards and, and – I, it just drives me nuts when I see a jumper on the inside come through. It's like they're leaving their feet. You should be throwing that guy across the line, like grab him and throw him because there's no way a jumper should be coming through your line. Like that's a that's a point of pride. Like it's a point of pride. If someone comes off the edge and is 4-3 speed and he gets to the block – God bless him. Like, that's a hard thing. I'm going to put that on the kicker, the operations team, you know, the snap, the hold, all that, because you got to beat the 4-3 guy with the ball off. Like, that's that. But when a jumper comes through, that's a point of pride. Like, have some pride. Like, don't don't let that happen. You know, you got to take that person and chuck them. You just got to be like, no, you're not getting that ball. That's that's my – you're protecting your kicker. You're protecting your punter. Everybody on the inside by taking him and chucking them. So that, that should never happen. Anybody who chooses to block outside versus block inside, 
that's that's terrible coaching. And I'm just going to call it what it is because if that happened in practice, that guy should not be on your special teams blocking in a game. And if it happened in practice, you should be reaming him up and down for going outside versus inside. And you just came off of three months of, of you know, training camp or three, three, four weeks of training camp. That should be drilled in their heads by now that you always block inside. And I'm sorry, T-Mac – to me, has not had solid special teams in over two and a half years. There's, there, We've been complaining about it for a while now. I've been on your show. This is my third year. Thank God. Thank you. Because I love it. I love coming on here and talking football with you. But that being said, we've complained about special teams. I know I've hollered about it. And to me, he, he might be a nice guy. He might have all the answers on the chalkboard. He might, you know, go into a meeting. Yes, coach, you know. Well, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. I know I talked to him about this and that, coach. I'll fix it, coach. But you're not. The co- the players aren't responding. And now you gave up a touchdown in the opening game on like what the opening drive. And boom, we're down. Your 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 squad's not getting it done. So for me, I mean, honestly, like they're lucky I'm not the GM because I'd be in there. Calf would be gone. T Mac would be gone. And I'd be like, everybody in this room, if your backs aren't straight now. Wait till next week because your butts might be gone. Like, I do not care. The Giants need to win this year. They got too much money invested in this team. And if you can't get it straight, I will fire everybody in here and get new coaches in. Like, let's go. You'd fire Kafka? Oh, yeah. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of it. I'm sorry. I think Debo would do a better job calling plays than what Kafka does. And I think you guys heard that tone from me last year too. I said it last year too. And I'm saying it again, because you got to protect the quarterback and he's not protecting the quarterback when he's doing the crap that he did last night. When he's not putting six, he's not slide protection. He's not running 70 protection. It's all 50. And you got a, a tackle out there struggling. You got inside games that are being your inside guys you got to go back to basics, and he didn't choose to. He chose to run his offense, and that's ego. When you choose to run your offense versus choosing to win the game, that's ego. you got to check your ego, and I'm sorry, Kafka, if you're listening, you got to check your ego, and you got to run the ball, and you got to get physical, and you got to help your offensive line. Last year your offensive line wasn't good. This year your offensive line is not good. So figure it out. You've had a whole offseason to figure out how to help your offensive line, and you're not doing it with your play calling. I've been around Greg Knapp. I've been around great offensive coordinators who have looked at me and been like, David, i got to help this offensive line. i got to help these receivers by doing something. they got to help their players. That's having empathy for your players as you know you got to help them because guess what? They're just not getting it done. Mm, and great Larry Ennis, God rest his soul, giant scout told. Well, I'll tell you this: the great Larry Ennis, former coach on Bill Parcell's staff, great Giants legend scout, taught me this: you don't get momentum without winning, and you got to win first in order to build momentum. And the Giants mm. didn't win last night; they don't have any momentum going into Week Two, and that was a winnable game at home, opening up, and you got embarrassed. And now you got to take a long plane ride out to the desert against a team that played pretty dang hard against the commanders. And the commanders did everything in their power to lose that game. And they still won that game. So you're coming into a, 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 a hostile environment down here in the nest. And if you don't bring it and you lose this game and go, Oh, and two. Yeah. Everybody would be fired on the plane. We're going back. <laughs> oh, oh my. 
Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Um, let me you want to talk defense this. now? <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I do. I want to talk about the rookies, uh, the two cornerbacks. A um, little bit of struggles. I thought Banks played well for the most part. Hawkins had a, had a little bit of up and down there. I mean, what did you see from them? And also, let's talk about the rest of the defense, for that matter. I, I thought the, the two edge rushers were quiet. I, you know, I, I'm not sure they were really, you know, impacting the way that they're capable of doing. Um, Dexter, I thought, had a good game. But let, let, let's start with the rookies and what you saw from them. So what I saw from them were, were decent technique. You know, I thought too much hands. I, I'm, I'm really maxed out on DBs using their hands. Like there's no need for it. You you really don't need to grab guys' jerseys. You really don't need to grab a hold of them. You jam them to shock them, and then you run with them. Like become – flip your – as soon as your hips flip, become the receiver. Like I don't understand this. Like they're, they're staring at the receiver – once your hips flip and you're on the outside shoulder, you can look in and see the ball come out of the quarterback's hand. Now go get it. Become the receiver. 90% of these DBs were receivers in college and high school. And, yeah, most of them can't catch. That's why they're a DB. But I'm not saying you go catch it. But I'm saying you can go at least look like you're the receiver and make a play for it. Um, so I don't understand all the hands and the grabbing. The one PI that I really had a problem with was the ball wasn't even catchable. Now there, there was a ball that was overthrown. He was in good position, and they called it on him. The receiver leaned into him. I thought that was a, a, a hose job on that one. But, um, you know, for me, I like the rookies. I really saw good, good technique in most of them and what they're doing. A little bit of, you know, miscommunication in the back end on the C.D. Lamb. I think it was a second C.D. Lamb uh, throw. They, they yeah, it was just like 49 like a yard or something like that. Yeah, that one, they, there was a miscommunication. You could see it right when the, it happened. They turned around, they looked at each other, and there was a I thought, you thought. Again, teachable moment right there. It's going to happen week one. But if you look at it, you know, and again, it's not like they had to throw it all over the yard or anything. Dak didn't have to be great here, right? Where my biggest problems with the defense is still the run defense. Like, we're not tough enough up front. I mean, Ojolari to me did not set the edge strong. Um, I, I thought that, you know, we got pushed around a little bit up front. Dexter obviously didn't, but I mean, even, um, excuse me. Even Williams got pushed a little bit. They double teamed him, and he wasn't able to hold the point. And then Ojolari wasn't filling behind him. So for me, we got to get tougher up front. We got to get more stout up front and stingent. The ed- but they're really attacking the edges. Watch what they did last night. Even on that late touchdown run, um, they they attacked the edges, and Ojolari just got pinned inside by C.D. Lamb. Like you got C.D. Lamb pinching you inside, bro. Like, come on, that's a receiver. Like, you know, like I, I got a word to say here, but I can't say it. But you got to really just, you know, get some testicle fortitude here and punch that receiver right in the chest and say, you're not blocking me. But, you know, Ojolari got blocked inside by C.D. Lamb. Like, I, that one's just in my crawl, as you can tell, because I'm just like, you know, that was a receiver. I wasn't even a tight end that pinched you inside. That was a receiver who doesn't even like to block like CD. He's a decent blocker. Don't get me wrong against DBs, but he, he's not the best blocker in the league when it comes to receiving blockers. So I'm like, come on, man, you got to get that. You got to set that edge. I don't care if it's late. I don't care if it's tired. Just don't let them score. Like have some pride, draw that line in the sand and don't let them cross it. Um, 
so I, I was upset with the edge players more in the run defense, being honest with you, than than in the you know coming off the ball and coming and getting them because at the end of the day they didn't have to really do. I mean, what did the Cowboys threw thirteen or 20, 25 attempts and they had thirteen completions, right? But most of those attempts were under under five yards. I mean, it wasn't like they they shot down the field three or four times. They didn't really shoot down the field a bunch. You know, it was quick out. There, you know, Dak was just trying to manage the ball in the wet environment. So I didn't think there was a lot of opportunity to get to Dak because, you know, Mike McCarthy called a lot of quick passes, screens, um, stuff that was going to slow down a pass rush anyways, which is Mike's deal. Like, he's smart about it. He's done it since he was a Green Bay. You know, he loves the screen game. He loves using tight end screens and, you know, all sorts of different screens because that's what he did, did in Green Bay, give it to the playmaker and let him run the ball. So, um uh, didn't surprise me the game plan from them at all. And that also slows your pass rushers down and it confuses them as well as, you know, makes them uh, tires them out because they got to run after these guys out on the edges and out on the perimeter and all that stuff. So it helps your offensive lineman out. Um, Didn't surprise me his game plan at all. But again, I think if we get stout and stop the run, that's what we need to do. We were one of the worst rush defenses last year. And last night they ran for 122 yards on only 30 attempts. I mean, that's 4.1 yards of carry, and, you know, that's a first down every every three touches. So that's not going to help us at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, my friend, we'll have to see if the Giants can bounce back from it. I mean, there's really nowhere to go but up after that debacle. Um, if they go 0-2, it's going to get uglier. If you thought last night was ugly, it's going to get uglier. Let's hope, though, that Dable and, and his staff figure it out. Um, because the roster is what it is. And outside of making a blockbuster trade for a stud backup tackle, which I, I don't see happening, um, you know, forget about all this talk about trading for Mike Evans. I know a lot of people are like, oh, they giants should trade for Mike Evans. Fix the offensive line, right? I mean, am I wrong here? Why don't you trade for Wharf? I would rather go get the right tackle down there. My goodness. You know, it's it, everybody likes the shiny new toys that can, you know, the speedsters and the skill position players. But as you said, if you don't fix the offensive line, what good is it? What good is it? But anyway, always fun chatting with you about ball. We will do it again. Giant fans, thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast. Be sure to keep it here. I've got more guests coming for you this week. We've got crossover Thursday. And then Friday, I'll figure out what I'm going to do on Friday, but uh, we'll have shows for you as all week long. So keep it here, Locked on Giants podcast. For David Turner, I'm Patricia Trena. We will see you again tomorrow, Giant fans.